everybody. Welcome into Fresh Takes here on VeryWakesOne.com. Paul Russo, Nick Felice, alongside me as always, and they charm behind the scenes producing. You'll hear his voice periodically throughout the podcast. Uh, Nick, Merry Christmas, belated. But we saw each other numerous times anyway. Yeah, so. Merry Christmas, Paul. <laughs> Happy New Year. Um, yeah, it's our final show of 2022. Yeah. Uh, this will be the fourth year in the books. So pretty pretty special episode here to move on yeah. to year five. Yeah, a lot of you kind of get to NFL, a lot of different storylines to kind of pick and choose from. Uh, college football uh, kind of still clicking away. Bull Mania, obviously we'll talk about our two teams in Syracuse and Notre Dame and college football playoff. We would be remiss as baseball people if we didn't touch on Carlos Correa and the ongoing, and the ongoing saga with him. Technically, no team at the moment. And um, – for the first time in quite some time, we will have to do a themed spoiler alert moment later on when we review Violent Night. I mean, when did it come out? It came out. It came out at the beginning of the month. Well, actually, to be fair, it came out at Comic Con back in October. Yeah. But given Definitely. the fact, given the fact, it's a holiday themed movie, mm-hmm. Christmas movie, we will we will be proper still in in this given sphere, and. Um, and do a, a, a spoiler alert moment when we get to it. Definitely, definitely a spoiler. Yeah, so uh, plenty to get to. Let's jump in. Uh, I do want to start with one of the New Jersey teams, but not to, not your Giants. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's how the week started. The Jets. That great Jaguars-Jets game. The continuing game. quarterback drama going on between Zach Wilson, what will be Mike White, and Zach Wilson's mom, <laughs> apparently, getting in on this. Um, apparently, uh, somebody slid. I don't know if that's proper here. Uh, into her DMs, and was like, "Hey, Merry Christmas!" But your son's giving me, you know, heartburn watching him play and whatever. But you know, something along those lines. She said that it's impossible to succeed as a New York Jet. <laughs> the fans are awful. Blah blah blah. All this on the heels of uh, he gets pulled after Thursday night's game. You mentioned, obviously, that game um, a little bit, but um, gets pulled from his lack of performance for really what is a third stringer, fourth stringer. I don't know how to properly classify it as. Yeah. And um, just now, you know, you go from post game with Solace comments being like, oh, you know, he, you know. Haven't given up on him to really Friday a full 180, and sounds like Zach Wilson will be playing for a different team next year. Been quite the, quite the, God season really I guess, for really to be fair Zach Wilson because this Jets team, you know, they really aren't that bad. It's kind of something I've been saying the past couple of years. It's like, especially the defense. I know a lot of people are like, well, are they really that good? Like, look, if you want to dive into it, yeah, the defense is good like really good uh, I think you know claiming to be a Super Bowl caliber defense might be a wee bit of a stretch the way some people say but that's it's a really good defense and really they do have pieces on offense and now it seems to really be circling in on the quarterback situation yeah well I already forgot his name but that fourth string quarterback that yeah. you mentioned that came in for Wilson on Thursday um just in those two, and they didn't score any touchdowns, but just in those two drives alone, he was Chris already. Chris Strivelier, by the way. He was I think al- I might be mispronouncing the last he name. He was already better than what Wilson's pretty mm-hmm. much done all season long. I mean, even Joe Flacco has done better for than yeah. Zach Wilson this year. 
Uh, it just hasn't worked out. You know, it might be, you know, the New York factor a little bit because some people just aren't built for New York. I just – It I is a tough, tough yeah. place to play. You can, you can ask Joey Gallo that. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's just some people just aren't, aren't made for the city because, uh, you know, it is the biggest city in the country and the, probably the biggest media outlet. And so it's tough. And then, that, and then also him not – performing to his high expectations that he had wherever he got drafted in the draft first round um mm -hmm. second overall i believe yep. right yeah so you know it's a lot of pressure on the kid but and you maybe, brought you brought up a good point good. watching red zone on saturday uh how the tides changed all with one game in week what was then the final week week 17 two seasons ago between the jets and the jacks yeah and how the Jets won that game, and mm -hmm. it's how, really, to be fair, the Jags ended up with Trevor, and the Jets ended up with Zach Wilson. Yeah. Kind of crazy. Um, let's let's move on, and this is going to encapsulate at minimum six games. The coldest weekend in NFL history, collectively speaking, was this past weekend. I bet. Games uh, affected included the Bills' victory over the Bears, Saints' victory over the Browns, Chiefs over the Seahawks, uh, Bengals at the Patriots, uh, all the way down through, including Texans at the Titans. Even Miami a, was cold. Who, well, you're, well, that was Christmas Day, yeah. But Texans at the Titans had to be delayed an hour because there was rolling blackouts throughout the Nashville area because of the weather. Um, Panthers-Lions was kind of affected a little bit. I mean, Ravens-Falcons, uh, you name a game – especially on the East Coast, specifically on those Christmas Eve games on Saturday, odds are the weather was a factor. And I think you kind of saw it play out in a lot of different ways. Um, take a look at, for example, the Bengals at the Patriots. Bengals in control through the first half and just, I wouldn't say struggled the second half. They got really complacent. I don't know if it was just <laughs> like weather fatigue going in. Uh, Seahawks-Chiefs was really clunky. Uh, that was, I believe, the coldest game ever in Kansas City or something. What a word, like that. clunky. Yeah, I, Saints and Browns. Uh, they were the only game within that weather complex that ended up having snow also be a factor within it. Um, and you saw just how awful <laughs> that game really actually ended up being uh, down the stretch. Uh, just rough football, really, on Saturday. Like I said, especially in the early window, especially on the East Coast because of that weather. Yeah, um, you know, but I'm looking at a team right on your computer right now in the Buffalo Bills. Didn't seem to bother them because obviously they are from Buffalo, and um, so they know about the weather. So they went into Chicago. You know, it was close for a little bit there, but, you know, they took control in the fourth quarter, got the big win, and won the division. Three straight. Is it three straight? I was yeah. going to say how many straight, but I wasn't sure. So three straight divisional titles. Um not bad for a division where the Patriots had won that for how many years in a row other than the Matt Castle year that one year? I mean, yeah, dating back to that, it'd be... I think it's like 15 of 16 yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Uh, well, no, well, not quite that long because of the Matt Castle year, but yeah, 12-ish. Uh, to be 12 or 11, depending on 12, 15, 16, yeah. it's, it's a lot. They used to own that division, so... yeah. Uh, maybe someday we'll be the Jets division. Who knows? Uh, you're not going to win until you get a quarterback. So I don't think Mike White's the answer. So. Speaking of quarterbacks, the Broncos' national nightmare for the moment has been 
How would paused? It, how the heck were they favored in that game, the Broncos? But Hackett, Hackett got canned, finally. And, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I The Broncos got a lot of issues for a team that a lot of people had picked to, to really move on and just not uh, not meant to be. Yeah, I, I was not one of those people. I knew the Broncos would come in last place in this division. Uh, I knew the Broncos weren't going to be very good because I, Russell Wilson's I, he's mm-hmm. over the hill, you know. And it's a tough division. It still is, even though the division hasn't played to the expectations that it had at the beginning of the year. It's still a tough division. The Chargers are still a decent team. They're never going to win a Super Bowl. But the <laughs> Raiders got talent, uh, and then the Chiefs are obviously one of the top teams in the conference. So yeah. uh, it's a tough division. It was going to be tough for them to begin with. Um, obviously, Nathaniel Hackett getting fired is not surprising, but it it was a tough spot for him. And uh, you know, and the next coach, it's it's not a very um, sure. Anybody would love to be an NFL head coach. The pay raise has got to be great. But uh, that is not a very uh, attractable job right now. I wouldn't want that job. Before we make our picks for week 17, what you what'd you make of Christmas football? I like it. I, if it was like a, you know, obviously it was like a Thanksgiving Day feel. Mm-hmm. You had three games in a row. I like when they do that. I like when it's, obviously I love when all the games are on the same day, but I like when it's three, you know, nationally televised games. Yeah, Yeah, it was pretty fun. And then, obviously, Christmas Eve got the bulk of the slate, really, for the weekend. And that was pretty fun because... And then next year, it should be all on Christmas Eve, which will be on Sunday. Right. And then Monday Night Night Football, only on Christmas Day. Yeah. That would be nice. Um, Let's jump into our picks for Week 17. Kicks off Thursday night with the Cowboys at the Titans. Uh, Titans are playing bad. Mm-hmm. Um, it, sure, they would love to win this game. I don't think it matters, though, for the Titans or the Jaguars. I think it's going to come down to the final week of the season, regardless of what happens this week. If I, yeah. Maybe I'm wrong, but uh, I will. I mean, to me, it's just an easy picker. I think you got to just go with collectively the better team at this point. And I will never pick the Cowboys on this show, but I will say Titans plus. I will move the line. I will say Titans plus 30. 30? Just so I don't have to say Cowboys. Good. Okay, I'll take the Cowboys. <laughs> I don't have a problem saying that. Uh, Browns at the Commanders uh, kicks off our Sunday slate on New Year's Day at 1 p.m. Uh, go Commanders. I got Gosh, I... I I'm kind of surprised that they're favored, in all honesty. Uh, I'm going to go Browns, I think. Continue going the opposite there. Uh, Cardinals at the Falcons. Cardinals at the Falcons. Uh, Still in the early window, as we call it. I'm surprised this isn't a Sunday night football game. Um, Or at least a Thursday Thursday night. night. (laughs) Yeah, that would have been the better joke. But uh, I will go... The home team, Falcons. Look, this is a toss-up game to me. Um, Atlanta's favored. I, uh, I mean, look, you're more than likely either going to have McCoy, McCoy slash McSorley. I think it's going to be Trace McSorley against Desmond Ritter. Talk about toss-up, but um, I'll go Cards here. In all honesty, um, be interesting there. And we have breaking Cardinal news. Even what? What happened? JJ, look at me, Louis Watt is retiring at the end of the season. What a career. Yeah. 
Good player. Overrated. Overrated? Yeah. His show Tag was overrated. That was that was pretty bad. He had a show called Tag, him and his brothers. Oh, I didn't. It oh, was so, that show. It was so bad. It was, oh. You know, I'm like, people, like, what show are you talking about? <laughs> it was so bad, people don't even remember it. But. A classic NFC North battle here in the early window. Bears at the Lions. Oh, my. Mm-hmm. Um, I see what you did there. I love this matchup. The Wizard of Oz game. Um, your Lions let me down last week. Uh, I think they're gonna let me down again this week. Wow. Both Bears. I don't think they do. I think it's uh, I think it's the Lions there, right there. Get back to five hundred and keep the playoff hope alive. And I mean the Bears are the Bears. <laughs> Great game here. Yeah. yeah, Broncos at the Chiefs. I think we can all in unison agree. Kansas City. Yeah, uh, can't. But I will. Oh, <laughs> I will. Oh, I'm picking Kansas City. But you're, I will. you're taking a page out of the college football book here. Uh, yeah, usually the first game with a new head coach, usually the team plays decent, most of the time wins, but this will be a tough matchup. I'm going Chiefs. We have the Dolphins at the Patriots. Cold weather. Questions around Tua as well, back in protocol. Yeah, I'm taking Patriots right now on this Tuesday. It's tough because the Patriots played a really good, Good second half against the Bengals. I wish we knew about two. Again, I mean, this is our ever ever long debate about wishing we had stuff and where and knowing about health of players at all times. I'm gonna go Patriots here. If two is healthy, though, I I, I think it flips pretty quickly. Though. All right. Colts at the Giants. G men, baby. You're right. Playoff berth this week. I as well. I like the I like the G men. <laughs> Saints at the Eagles. Um, I think even with Gardner Minshew, I'm I'm taking the Eagles. Yeah, sure. Eagles. You're just like sure. Whatever. Move on. Move on. Move on. <laughs> Panthers at the Buccaneers. We're still in the early window, by the way. Got two more. Well, this including this. This game. is. The big game. This is the game for the NFC South right here. Oh, gosh. Um, I like the Panthers, man. I, I'm, I'm I'm with you. I wish. <laughs> I'm with you, actually. I wish for a good Christmas gift this year, and I think I'm going to get it. The Carolina Panthers are going to beat the Dallas Cowboys in the playoffs. and uh, At home in Charlotte. <laughs> in, <laughs> at home in Charlotte. I have a dream of that. I think it's going to happen, so they have to win this game. I'm with you. I'm taking the Panthers. Buccaneers are just, oh God, they are a mess. They are a mess. Uh, last of the early window, Jaguars at the Texans. Uh, I think Jags here all day. Texans are the best 2-12-1 two, two team ever. Yeah, two, best 2-12-1 <laughs> team ever. Um, so, I don't know how many 2-12-1 teams there have been in NFL history, but they are the best. We cross over the witching hour and into the late window, 4.05 for the 49ers and the Raiders. This is a uh, old school game right here. Taking the Raiders. Give me the Raiders. Really? Purdy can't win them all. Am I about to inverse YU? Yeah. I understand the logic. I I just I can't take the Raiders, though. <laughs> They're the only team still to have lost. 
Why? To, I'll, to, I'll, to, why to an ESPN analyst. Why are you taking the Niners? I just I think the Raiders or the 49ers unit just you still has a gonna hole. Win, you're just going to win out the yeah. Niners? No, I don't know if they win out. I mean, but like I I just think that collectively as a unit they're better than the Raiders. I disagree. I think the Raiders got the better quarterback. They got the better receiver. They got the better running back. No, I disagree on that. But even Josh Jacobs is good. But uh, they are good right now, man. I don't necessarily. They just I don't, disagree. don't have the better head coach. Yeah, I mean it's the sideline issue for me at this point. Like I just until that gets figured out. Josh McDaniels like, is the worst head coach in the league right now. Yeah, he's. This is actually a fun game, is he? Well, Hackett's gone. Yes, because Nathaniel Hackett got fired. Yeah. There's, I, despite picking him, I, I mean, Cliff Kingsbury's <laughs> not, not great. <laughs> he probably would have my vote. And then maybe, make, and then maybe, maybe Josh then. Well, okay. We're debating between who's the better head coach between Kingsbury and McDaniel, so it's... <laughs> Also, there's a pretty large conglomerate in the AFC North that would like to introduce us all to Stefanski, but <laughs> either way, uh, Jets at the Seahawks. Ooh, the Jamal Adams revenge game. Does he get it though? Is he playing? I think he's still hurt, uh, isn't he? I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but just as we all predicted, it would be it's Mike White versus Geno Smith in a in a in a pivotal game for both playoff aspirants. Aspirations for both teams. <laughs> Give me the Seahawks at home. Give me the Jets. Mike Ooh. White. Riding Mike White. 425 window. Vikings at the Packers. Uh, Packers win one game, and people think they're back in the playoff hunt. Give me the Vikings. I'm with you. But they just can't keep getting away with it. <laughs> but it is 425, Kirk. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, Rams at the Chargers. Last of the late window games. The Battle of L.A., they uh, this was the Sunday yeah. game, and they moved it. Get flexed, boy. Um, it's just like Lakers Clippers. Who cares? Uh, but <laughs> uh, I'll take the charge. I guess that makes the Chargers the Clippers then, because they're slightly better. Um, yes, it is. They are definitely the Clippers. Gosh, there is part of me that really thinks that this might be another one of those games where Baker Mayfield just <laughs> just like throws himself in there to get a contract. <laughs> But I'm with you. I'm with the Chargers. Can't can't let the blinders get get put on and uh, lock my vision. It's a Rams Chargers game, but I bet you there'll still be more Raider fans in there somehow. Um, <laughs> Sunday night game uh, is the Steelers at the Ravens. Uh, Steelers at the Ravens. Mm-hmm. Big game. Um, Classic rivalry. The Steelers are still trying. No love lost between these two squads to keep Mike Tomlin's. Over 500. I'm, 500 going, I'm going Baltimore. <laughs> I'm going Steelers. Mike Thomas oh does, not gosh, finish under gross. does not finish under 500. Monday night football, Bills at the Bengals. Wow, this is a good game. Monday night football. Are the Bills playing for it? They're still playing for one seed, right? Yep. So are the Bengals. I mean, there, there's, a lot, there's a lot in this game. Give me the Bills. I need my cigar. Give me Joe Burrow. Ooh. Give me the Bengals. Nate, what's I'm your doing it. That pick? I'm doing it. Give me the Bengals. Uh, I mean, I'm going to take the Bills, of course. But um, I think whoever, yeah, whoever wins this game wins the one seed. 
in my mind. A home team getting points. What is better than that? See? Can't As my line is, Paul, home dogs run faster. See? <laughs> Joe Burr. So you're taking the points, not the money. No, line. I'm taking. I'm, I'll take quietly. Take the money line as well. Whoa. I mean, if you're gonna force me into a corner. Um, okay, let's uh, transition over college football. Uh, Bowl mania rages on. Uh, games are going today through the whole week, but it's not our focus, Nick. Our focus is New Year Six college football playoff and our own teams. So let's start with our own teams. Uh, we'll start only because uh, really they're the first of the two games. The Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl at Syracuse. They take on Minnesota. I'll be at that game on Thursday, 2 p.m. kickoff. Um, looking forward to it. Syracuse is going to be minus Sean really? Tucker. You're looking forward to this. I know. It's a shocking turn of events. But um, <laughs> Sean Tucker, obviously, declaring for the draft. He's not going to play. Same with Matt Bergeron. Um, really, I think the big X factor here is is – Muhammad Ibrahim for Minnesota. He's playing. Uh, this is a guy again who very good. Also, is he's in a six year of eligibility because, excuse me, the COVID year also got hurt. But he's a very good running back. He will be playing Sundays as well. Um, look, I'm excited. I I think Syracuse is getting a little bit devalued in this game. Mm. Uh, these are two equally, really equal footing teams on offense, all things considered. I think the issue comes to defense, where Syracuse really ended up getting grinded down through the whole year just through injuries and like they couldn't get off the field <laughs> or couldn't stay off the field, really. Minnesota, it, they're in, look, they're in the Big Ten West. I mean, it's defense plus over there. Yeah. So, of course, they're going to be good on defense. Um, it's gonna be an interesting tight game. I think, you know, if if you're a betting person, you look at the game. Syracuse is currently getting ten points. Wow. I think that might be a little bit too much. Uh, like I said, they're both both offenses average twenty eight point three points a game. Weather should be good so, for you. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're looking at about mid forty, mid to upper forties at the moment. And I know down, obviously, you get closer to the city, it's a little bit warmer anyway. So. Um, perhaps it will get a little bit warmer than that even down there. I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully, knock on knock on wood. But um, yeah, I'm not too sure. I know obviously your focus is probably on the next day with Notre Dame. But um, you know, this is like I said, this is a pivotal game for for, for Syracuse in all fairness because um, you know this is going to be the first true true test of you know back having full reins of the offense on his own with Robert Nagon. Um, and obviously, uh, defensively speaking, it's going to be uh, – I don't think it's going to be a toss-up. I think everything's going to be the same, despite, you know, the acting defensive coordinator with Rocky Long coming in post-bowl game. So, uh, yeah, I'm not too sure what your thoughts are really on the game itself. I just have – it's not most not about the game. It's just about, like, the expectations of next year is – we said this for a while. I think since we've been doing this podcast, mm-hmm. is it a make or break year for Dino next year? Yeah, this – I don't know. I don't want to jump on the make or break thing yet only because there's a lot of moving pieces still kind of going on. Um, I think he was kind of using Purdue as a leverage play. Um, I, look, I know some people probably think, well, that might have been some smoke. But there's smoke, there's fire with it, to be fair. So uh, it will be interesting there. 
Uh, like I said, I don't think it's necessarily do or die. Mm-hmm. Probably in the way that you're thinking, like actual game strategy wise. I think we know. I think at this point, whether you're Sy- whether you're a Syracuse fan or a Syracuse decision maker, we know what we have at this point with Dino. There's just no way around it. I think the put up or shut up time comes. Are you satisfied next year with another potentially six and six to seven and five season? Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Go back to the and look. Bowl. This is this was not a good, and this is someone that I'm going to talk about later on within a TikTok. But look, this recruiting cycle sucked. Syracuse lost both their top commits. They flipped on signing day. North Sellers, who was the top quarterback for us coming in, flipped to South Carolina. Um, our top defensive recruit was out of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. He's follow- He's going to Nebraska and following Tony White. So it was not a good recruiting cycle in that sense. Look, we got a ton of three-star players coming in next year. Very good. But at the same time, 14 out of 14th in the ACC for recruiting. And to put that in comparison to me, the two teams in particular – and I know, I know Syracuse fans overall don't like it, but you look in particular at Boston College and Pitt, who are our two closest in regionally recruiting-wise, and we well, really, to be fair, all three recruit the same pipeline pretty much. Boston College in 11th, Pitt in 8th in terms of recruiting rankings in the conference. Mm-hmm. Not good. Syracuse went nationally from 66, or I believe 64, last season down to 86. It's not good. Not good at all. So, and look, Dino Dino was known for recruiting guys who kind of get slept on. I, I respect that. But at the same token, you got to start getting more four-stars in. You got to get four-stars in eventually here. We've had our fair share. We got some four-stars transferring in that were former four-stars, but you need to get them out right. And that's, look, I mean, it's, I understand. Look, Syracuse is not the market that you maybe want to do it in, and um, but I mean, to me, the selling point is if you go to Florida and you pipeline out of Florida, you make the selling point that you're coming into a climate-controlled game to play. You have six, at minimum, six games guaranteed every year. That you, weather is a non-factor. It's perfect conditions, mm-hmm. and you go. Yeah, it, it's tough. I it's mean, over. It's, it's over. It's what, it is what it is. Uh, before we get too off track, <laughs> Notre Dame in South Carolina in the Gator Bowl, Tax Slayer Gator Bowl, Friday, kickoff at 3.30 there. Uh, Notre Dame's pretty much – I know gambling-wise they're not an overwhelming favorite. It's a two-point spread, but you'll get kind of like the predictors and everything like that. They're, they are pretty much the overwhelming favorite in this game. Um I haven't seen anybody for Notre Dame opt out. Opt out. I could be wrong, but I haven't seen anybody opt out. Um, you know, how are you feeling? When that we're playing? Yeah, I mean, everybody for all for South Carolina, the big names I believe are all playing as well. So, uh, how do you feel going into this game? This is a game that um, I feel like it's a really good gauge potentially on what you actually have. Oh, be fair. I think you guys are better than what the record indicates. You had a rookie head coach, but well, it was tough last year. Yeah. His first game as the head coach was a BCS Bowl game last right. year. Like, that is, that's tough to start your career. But, um, you know, so this is his f- final game of his first full season as the head coach, Marcus Freeman. And, uh, 
you know, obviously disappointed from where they were ranked at the pre-rankings, um, you know, to lose to teams like Marshall and Stanford, who was right. dreadful. But, uh, 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 but you know, it's a, it's a good game. Um, the Gator Bowl is not a terrible bowl. It's one of the better ones. It's not a BCS bowl, obviously. I would would have liked to see them get in a BCS bowl this year to – end the streak of I think they've lost like six or seven straight BCS bowl games or they never won I think they never won I think they're all in seven or something like that. I mean and you know the Gator Bowl is one of the it's kind of funny how we phrase it but I mean it's one of the former bigger bowls I mean it was one of the is it going to get into the new playoff format but, uh, um, first round matchup I mean the main issue is always sponsorship dollars with that so um Personally speaking, it's like I said, it's one of the you look at the New Year's Six, they are the original quote unquote six. Outside of really the Fiesta Bowl, kind of like one of those late ads. But I mean the Gator Bowl is one of the original kind of bigger ten that you had. Yeah. So I think for prosperity, I, I wouldn't mind it having in there, but you know. Um speaking of that though, New Year's six bowl games and the college football playoff. Uh let's do a couple rapid-fire picks before we jump into the playoff. Perhaps the orangest Orange Bowl of them all, Tennessee and Clemson, Friday night. Uh, Clemson sucks. Yeah, I'm going Tennessee. Tennessee. I'm Tennessee here. The Sugar Bowl. Excuse me, noon on Saturday. Alabama and Kansas State. I'm sorry, Big 12, but you just, I don't know. Going Alabama. Yeah, I... Part of me, here's the thing. Kansas State's got quarterback health problems still kind of lingering. So Sometimes that game go, noon on yeah, Saturday. I'm going Bama. So we're not going to know what TCU does. Correct. Uh, the Cotton Bowl Classic, Tulane and USC. I'm taking the upset here. Give me the green wave. Yeah, Tulane. All right. Glad to see you're on board with it. Uh, and then the Rose Bowl on Monday. Cotton Bowl and, and the Rose Bowl, by the way, are on Monday because – Sunday, obviously, is not falsely. They're not going to really? want to compete with that. Yeah, so Penn State, Utah, in the Rose Bowl on Monday, the granddaddy of them all. Uh, I'm on the, the Utes. Did Utah win it last year? I can't remember. Because it's the second year in a row they're mm-hmm. in the Rose Bowl. But I'll take them anyway. I'm on the Utes. All right, the college football playoff, though, what we're all hoping for and all waiting on Saturday. Uh, first game's at four. It's the... Fiesta Bowl, TCU, and Michigan. I mean, I'll say, I've said this plenty of times. I think feel like I don't care what day of the week it's on, the college football semifinals should be on New Year's Eve every year. I like it when it's on that day. And um, in this game, whew, I would love to see both Michigan and Ohio State go down. And am I picking both games here? No, we're focusing on TCU okay, and Michigan yeah, yeah. first here. I'm taking TCU. Taking them. I, I'm riding them. I, uh... Yeah. I think this is going to be a closer game than people kind of think. Uh, Max Dugan declared for the NFL draft, but he's playing. Michigan, Blake Corum, hasn't been mum, but as far as I know, he's playing. It's tough because I picked Michigan to be the title winner at the beginning of the year. You did. And I think it was a you pick. You also picked the Devils to win the Well, that, that, that that's a lie. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> It's weird. This is this is kind of like one of those things where it's you have a really good offense against a really good defense, and both the other sides, despite Corum being 
Hmm. Whether it's 1A or 1B in terms of running backs this year. I love that plus seven and a half. Um, Oof. You know. Nate's locked it in. Oof. <laughs> He's got his parlay going. But, um, <laughs> like I said, defense to offense with the TCU to Michigan at that point, it's two very, I wouldn't say pedestrian, but, you know, compared to their counterparts are just nowhere near it. I'm going to go Michigan. Uh, I know, but it's tough when TCU's you – TCU's got the well, best mascot but, in the game. But though. it's tough when you have, like I said, I, I had Michigan, picked them at the beginning of the year, so I got to roll with them still. You know, it's not like I can't fade them. <laughs> I think it's going to be the closer of the two games, though. Yeah, I mean, you haven't heard my opinion. Mm. I think Ohio State's going to get destroyed. Yeah, so the flip side here is the Peach Bowl, APM, Ohio State, and Georgia – I think we've been over this before, uh, at the very least, behind closed doors between us, between me and Nate, between whoever will listen to me. I, I just – Georgia's offense does nothing for me, okay? I, I find Stetson Bennett to be incredibly overrated. He is. That being, said, that, that being said, I wouldn't in the least bit be surprised if Georgia were to win this thing like 27 nothing or 28 nothing, because yeah. their defense is just – Beyond anything I can comprehend. I wouldn't be surprised if it's 40 to 3. I just, and, and to that end as well, Ohio State's offense has done a lot of wheel spinning the past few games for them. Mainly the one that sticks out to me is against Northwestern. And you can make your case all you want about weather, and that's fine. But, like, at the end of the day, Northwestern at the time was like one in seven or one in eight. Wow, we're giving eleven to one odds for right. uh, twenty-five to thirty. So it's just I, I'm going Georgia. I think they roll them pretty good. Oh, it's going to be a blowout. I um, I personally think they're going to blow out in both games. National championship, you never know because you you get the best from both teams. But in a game like this, Ohio State probably a week ago or whatever it was, two weeks ago. Didn't even know if they were going to be in this. They're going to kill them, man. It's not going to be a good game. This is not going to be – Georgia uh, TCU-Michigan, it's going to come down to the wire. <laughs> Ohio State-Georgia, not going to be a good one for the – what are they? The Buckeyes. The mm. Buckeyes. <laughs> the Ohio State Buckeyes. So, All right, let's move uh, move along here and wrap some things up here, a couple smaller, I guess, notes. Uh, the Carlos Correa saga has hit another – I guess trip up. Uh, now the Mets are also concerned with uh, his medicals. All goes back to an injury he sustained in 2014. Uh, lower right leg injury, an ankle injury. He underwent surgery, had a fractured right fibula and ligament. Um, this was all in the minor leagues, and he hasn't had any really injury since then, especially on that right leg. So I don't know what is really going on here. Uh, I think with the Giants – Initially, we all kind of were all on board hopping the train that there was buyer's remorse. And, you know, the Mets swoop in, and now the Mets have a bit of a question mark with it. Correa's not wanting to restructure the deal at all. Mets are in a tough spot, just given Steve Cohen's comments. But, look, I would still go after him. It, it's interesting, though, the fact that now there's another team that's, like, talking about how the medicals don't don't match up with what they had hoped. And for as much as we, I guess, dogged on the Giants, I don't think we can do that anymore, given the fact that the Mets also have similar issues with the medicals. 
Um, this is interesting. I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head like this before, really in any sport, to be honest. What, him failing physicals? Well, in terms of having uh, one of the bigger deals of all time happen and get hung up on the medicals at this point. What was that one guy in the NFL that kept failing a physical? Couldn't uh, <laughs> well, that narrows it down. It's the NFL. They probably all fail uh, a physical. He was a top player back in the day. I can't think of him. But, uh, Was it for Dree Archer, the running back? It was a lineman. It was like a defensive lineman. Kept failing physicals. Albert, think, Hain- was, Albert Hainsworth? That's it. Albert Hainsworth. Oh, that was a completely different thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's it. <laughs> that was just Washington literally trying Washington, to find a way I, out. <laughs> <laughs> Did he fail like three physicals in a row? Like yeah, but they were trying to avoid the contract and get him out. <laughs> oh, man. But, uh, yeah, um, obviously Giants, rough off, rough off season for the Giants, you know. Thought they had Aaron Judge coming in. Mm. Arson Judge literally had Carlos Correa, and then this happens and right. goes to the Mets. But like I said, I, I don't think we can dunk on the Giants anymore, just given the fact that the Mets are also skittish now a little bit about this. Maybe Carlos Correa thought it was a New York Giants. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, this is the guy that carries on a trash can. Uh, what? What position would he play hypothetically? Uh, we do need, we do definitely need receivers. So about uh, tight end. Uh, yeah, that guy's all right. You like Bellinger? Yeah. But, yeah, I, I, it's just I, I don't think I've ever seen anything really like it in terms of this. No. And the part that baffles me is, right, this is – it's from something he sustained and had surgery on in 2014 when he was a minor leaguer. A minor leaguer. Now pushing eight years ago, nine years ago. Like, did the Astros not have any worries either? But that's – that's the thing I'm wondering about now. Is like, did the Astros have so much of a problem with it last, or yeah, last off season when they let him walk that like it's not worth the squeeze? Like, mm-hmm. I think there's something going on behind the scenes. Yeah, and whether or not it ever gets truly brought to light, I don't know. But it's just interesting to me because he's a guy who has rarely really missed any long stretch of time between 14 and now. Mm-hmm. So like, what's really what's really up with it? Because look, like I said, if we, if we were tr- we were dogging the Giants, thinking it was a scapegoat thing, but clearly it's not. If the Mets also have the issue yeah. with it, so I I don't know. I I still think the deal. I still think he signs with the Giant or the Mets rather. Sorry, the Mets. And I I just I don't see how it deviates at that point. Be interesting I I think he's gonna have to accept though. The deal has to be restructured. Because, look, he's going to have people – look, allegedly there's already people lined up for him. I, he, Heyman's got the Boris Puppet Act going on right now. But there's going to have – there's going to be other suitors, but they probably aren't going to do lengthwise knowing what's going on. They might pony up money-wise, but they're not going to do 13 years. And personally speaking, when they do their medicals at this point, I wouldn't be surprised if they also have issues at that point. So I, I just – I think I think both sides at this point have to just – come to a new agreeance on something monetary wise it should be the same i think it comes down the length obviously correa wants 13 i think you know i i think he's got to take into consideration that he seems to want to deal with the length anymore maybe accept an eight nine year deal that gets you to age 38 you know 39 and you know move on at that point whether you can still dh or just hang it up 
It would be something to have a Carlos Correa Twins jersey. Yeah. <laughs> Giants jersey. <laughs> it's true. Okay. Nate, welcome into your first ever edition of our famous spoiler alert five second buffer. We are about to review Violet Night. So this is your five second warning before we get into it. If you want to jump away, mute, skip ahead. If you're watching after the fact, we'll begin that spoiler alert buffer now. Three, four. Five. All right. So, uh, spoiler has ended. This is your final emergency one before we jump into Violent <laughs> Night, Nick. Uh, an interesting twist on a Christmas movie idea. Yeah. Um, some names in this movie, um, some har- heavy hitters, David Harbour, who um, in Stranger Things, Brokeback Mountain, um, trying to think of a couple other movies off the top of my head, but he's one of the more well known actors. John Leguizamo who you might not recognize the name, but you definitely would recognize the face if you saw him. Uh, he's uh, also a tremendous actor. Uh, Leah, or not Leah Brady, I apologize about that. She's a child actor who did phenomenal as Trudy. But Beverly D'Angelo is really the heavy hitter. Um, maybe a name you don't recognize exactly off the bat, but if I told you that she was Ellen Griswold from the vacation movies in the 80s, Clark's uh, wife, that's what you need to know. Yeah. So some heavy hitters, a uh, budget of $20 million, currently has made $63 million at the box office. Um, I thought it was really great. I, I gave it an A- minus when we kind of did our grades of it. I thought the acting in a couple spots was um, a bit rough, uh, slash maybe a bit you know over the top, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, but um, I thought it was very interesting. You kind of have this different version of Santa, a little bit of his backstory even a little bit getting back to like the viking times and kind of his i guess upbringing to where he has now in a way um david harbour plays santa yes yes uh so it's definitely a christmas movie and it's definitely an already christmas movie um so yeah don't expect going in there to watch Santa Claus. <laughs> well, to be fair, you can't go in to expect to see Santa Claus. It's yes. not not the way you probably expect it. Or Elf, you know, some of these, you know, classic Christmas movies. But it, it could be a holiday classic, this one, um, if you're into the more mature audience type movies. But uh, well, it, it, well, and that's the thing. Like, it wasn't exactly dirty in nature. You know what I mean? Um it was a it was a it's a well i kind of file under like the darker comedy kind of side of things it wasn't like a true dark comedy i think the way i kind of look at it is just because of the way the the action and stuff around it and admittedly there is gore i mean it people hard, will hard to, die hard to kind of ignore um in particular a couple of the couple of the deaths that happened uh this this was the shed is it a shed? Well, the the shed one I didn't have in there, but I was thinking of the first one, the the guy who got impaled, mm-hmm. and um, the um, when when Trudy has the Home Alone style booby trap set up, and the guy mm-hmm. met, goes through the broken step and has the nail come through his head. Yes. <laughs> so, um, then the girl gets the sticky stuff on not, the ground. Not not interrupt, but Nate, you understand why we do the spoiler buffer zone now a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> the girl yeah. gets sticky stuff on her and then her scalp comes off yeah, yeah so but anyway it's there's yeah. some dirty stuff in it but uh and, and it was to me it was one of the more unique kind of heist movies in a way as well at the end of the day this was this the action portion of it right is based around a heist 
uh, this group comes in to try and get $330 million, and it's not from a particular company or anything like that. It's from a family. That's a, somebody you really don't see in movies. You usually see these groups go after companies, not individuals and their families. And this was, to me, a very unique twist on that. Yes, yeah, so like Paul said, someone's trying to steal $300 million from the family, but the family's not great. Uh, the, the son was trying to steal the $300 million himself mm-hmm. to go with his, he's, he's with his More wife. More try and break away. His wife, but yeah. they've had some problems. They have the daughter. They were all there for Christmas. And there's the other family. Then there's the daughter, or there's the son with, her, with his wife. And then there's the daughter with her boyfriend who ends up dying in the movie because mm-hmm. that guy's an idiot. But she has a son. Family's not great. There's, there's no there's no dad it's just the mom in the movie and um, mm-hmm. and so you got these people trying to steal it but then also you got Santa Claus who just so happens to be there at the exact same time right. and he gets into a little situation with the one guy his reindeer go away the reindeer fly away because they get spooked out by the guns and uh, so he's stuck there and uh, this is not a typical jolly old Santa Claus. This is Santa no, Claus. No, I mean this is it's a it's kind of like a real life in in a sense where yes. look he's got demons. He probably doesn't exercise them as well as he should, like any other human being might, and has to kind of cope with it. And he's getting sick and tired of today's Christmas. Mm-hmm. You know, people buying stuff on Amazon. People just want you know venmo cash money yeah video games on ungratefulness yep so he's getting sick of it it is a feel-good movie though really is a feel-good movie has a good ending um admittedly some some plot holes along the way but you know (laughs) there are moments where you think maybe one of the the people starring in the movie is going to die but no one dies well not entirely accurate santa does die for a few seconds well that's not actually the one i was talking about I was talking about uh, Alpha's boyfriend there. Oh, he does die. He does die. <laughs> yeah, he does die, but he deserved to die. He wanted to be a hero. And, yeah. <laughs> he was not trying to be a hero. He was trying to make a run for it. But uh, Well, right. Well, it was, there was some twists, though. Obviously, she had uh, a team coming to save her. And they, they actually were They were part out. of it. They were bought out, more or less, yeah. Went to the dark side. And the the real bad guy, I forget his name. Yeah, John uh, Lugizamo. Yes. Uh Jimmy Jimmy Martinez, but in the code name Mr. Scrooge. Yeah, he was good. He was a good bad guy. Yeah, uh, you might know him. I know him from Bloodline. I think he plays Sid in Ice Age. Yeah, he's in a ton of different stuff. Like I said, he he was in the Romeo and Juliet movie that Leonardo DiCaprio was in. Uh, John Wick. Um, I re- I recognize him from more. I think it's like TV roles than anything mm-hmm. else. Uh, I think he was on like Law and Order for a while. Uh, you He's mentioned good. Bloodline. Uh, apparently, oh wow! Apparently, also has an album that he released at one point. So, look at him go. Soundtrack was pretty good in the movie. Big yeah, time. yeah. It, it it it's one of those as I call it. Uh, um, God, I'm trying to think of the proper ways to phrase it. It's like one of those where it just does not the 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 beats of the songs or like the opposite of what's going on and that's one of those more unique ones that i enjoy and stuff like that there so. are a couple of corny lines with the lines right right, right before right. they like zoom in on someone and they say something something like that but you know i'm oh, sorry he was on er as well my name is earl american dad <laughs> one stop there but you mentioned bloodline yeah bojack horseman shout out <laughs> <laughs> 
But uh, yeah, I mean, he he's he look. I mean, he's a very good actor. I'm a, I'm a numbers rating guy. I'll give it an eight point two out of ten. Yeah, if you want me to do the numerically, it's probably an eight and a half for me. It was in good. that A minus spot. So, yeah, very good. I recommend. I know now it's there's a very limited theaters have it. I know for us we had to go up to Syracuse and Destiny to watch it. Um, but I know it's available on the uh, digital side of that things. That was my first home, time so. at that movie theater too. Really. I oh, never, that's right. You only have done IMAX up there. I've only done the IMAX. I've never been to an actual yeah. movie there, or just a normal movie. But yeah. so, all right. So that will take care of uh, fresh shakes for today. Um, as always, you can catch us live here uh, on YouTube. Catch up anytime there. Spotify, Anchor, fun stuff. Shouting out today, Nick. Anybody? Uh, yeah, uh, I'm gonna shout out my friend Josh's uh, dad, right. Roger Langley. Oh, his his birthday is today. Oh, He's happy a big birthday! Fan of the show. Happy birthday, happy birthday, Mr. Langley. Yes, good guy. Play golf with him. Uh, he's a good guy. So, also, congrats are in order for Josh. Yes, oh, Josh is engaged now. Congrats yeah. to him as well. So, double shout out. Yeah. So, uh, to the Langleys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, shout out to the Langleys and uh, happy New Year. Yeah. Uh, I would plan, I would say, we'll be back again on the Thursday side of things uh, next week. Uh, obviously, I'm not going to be here Thursday. Or we would have. I'll be down at, like I said, the pinstripe ball. So a little bit early one this week again, back to the Tuesday slot for the time being. But um, until next week, have an enjoyable weekend, everybody. Have some fun. Happy New Year, and we'll talk to everybody next week.